This podcast is sponsored by Xgrowth. Xgrowth is the APAC ABM agency. If you and your organization are looking to land and expand enterprise mid-market deals, Xgrowth is the agency to help. Xgrowth works with a wide range of international and global technology vendors, service providers, and B2B SaaS companies. If this sounds like some of your interests to know more about, make sure to check out Xgrowth at xgrowth.com.au. That's xgrowth.com.au and chat with the APAC ABM agency. What's up, marketers, and welcome to another episode of the Growth Colony Podcast. I'm Liza from Xgrowth to tell you that each episode we bring in B2B leaders to chat about how you can achieve those everyday wins in the marketing world. Whether you're new to the B2B game, working at a leadership level, or even just showing some interest, we know you'll love the episode. So grab a drink, get comfy, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Growth Colony. I'm Alex Sipwell, and today on the podcast, for what feels like a very, very long time, I'm here as well. And I'm joined by Shaheen and Vinny Romano for an office hours session. Vinny, Shaheen, where are you tuning in from this morning, and what's top of mind for you this week? Uh, thanks, Alex. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm calling in from the Gold Coast. Nice. Sunny Gold Coast. And what's top of mind for me this week? Um, lots of things. There isn't one particular. There isn't one particular thing. I suppose I am interested in. I I, I am constantly finding myself wondering um, about marketing marketers and why so few of them make it to the top seat of the CEO chair, um, if in fact they actually want it. Um, and, you know, if, if there is desire for that, why can't more chief marketing officers take the top seat? Why can't more leaders of businesses come from a marketing background rather than sales and finance backgrounds yeah well i think we're going to be diving into this a little bit later on so that's great shane what about yourself what are you thinking about this week over the last two weeks first of all welcome back alex to the podcast it's uh it's good to get you back on here yeah it's been a while yes it has been um and it's great to have uh vinnie um the uh the social selling master uh, on the podcast again as well, so uh, so that's that's awesome. What's uh, where am I joining? I'm I'm in uh, rainy Melbourne. Uh, look, Vinny, no no reason to rub it in. Okay, we only talk about weather on on this uh, on this podcast. The only thing I'm rubbing in is sun lotion. All right. <laughs> <laughs> very very elegant touch, um, mate. So uh, so I'm 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 joining from Melbourne. What's on my mind? Um, I am thinking about this week. I've actually been thinking about ESG and um, and how much of that is not relevant. How much of that is is actually impactful, and how much of it is not impactful. 
Um, and a lot of organizations kind of pulling back. I know we're not talking about this today, but that is something that I'm, I'm thinking about um, the past uh, week or so as I'm getting over jet lag. So uh, that's, uh, that's what's on my plate. Nice, nice. Well, I'm tuning in from Reservoir, which is only 10 k's away from you, Shaheen, and it's sunny here, so I don't, I don't know what's going on a little bit further south. Um, but I've been a little bit more. I thought, I thought we say we're not talking about weather, guys. Yeah, that's right, that's right. <laughs> I, I've been a little bit more internally focused the last two weeks. I've been really kind of considering how to simplify the way I do things and the things around me. I find once you have a baby, which maybe some of the listeners uh, will be able to. Um, relate with here you just end up with so much stuff and so much extra things to do so i've just really been trying to cut down on the essential things i need around me and make systems around chores restrict tools i use so things don't get cluttered i don't lose stuff for example only taking notes in one dedicated system instead of for example on paper or on ipad or on google docs so i can just have it all focused in one database and make sure i never lose anything so I've been thinking about that a lot, like just the way I work and live and making sure I can build systems around it, um, which has been great, actually. I've been feeling good about it. So that's awesome. Let's get dive in to um, our news recap, uh, which is something we want to be doing a little bit more in the pod. So hopefully um, you're going to be enjoying this. Uh, we're going to be looking at a, a report uh, marketing has taken on much more responsibility since the pandemic. This is um, uh, a report done by uh, CMO Survey. So it says early on in the pandemic, the majority of US marketers said that the function had risen in importance. If their responsibilities are the basis of that judgment, then it seems as though marketing has gained a broader role within the organization. The latest edition of the CMO survey uh, shows that more U.S. CMOs are re- reporting responsibility for a range of activities compared to uh, early 2020, from tradi- traditional roles such as brand and advertising to others including market entry strategies and market selection. The survey was completed at the start of 2023. 314 marketing leaders participated from for-profit U.S. companies, 97% VP level and above. So guys, why do we think this is happening and why do we think marketing has been taking on more responsibility? Well, I think, yeah, this is a, this is, this is a report that, that, that I saw as well. Um, and I think there's a couple of things to just sort of call out before we dig into it. Firstly, it is from earlier in the year, um, but it is this year. Um, and it was reporting on, um, the role of marketing leaders um, since the pandemic and what's been happening. So I, I think there's relevance there, but it is worth noting that it is a survey that was done in the US, which is, um, I don't know, Shaheen, would you have a point of view as to how vastly different that market is compared to Australia or even wider Asia Pacific? My, my guess is that it, that it is. The most important thing is like looking at this, at this report and when it was published, and I think there is one thing that is similar across um, all geographies, right? Where, in my opinion, it has had the biggest impact for because th- this this was published twenty twenty February, um, and then reevaluated earlier this year, right? And again, we know what happened, right? Um, and I think that had a big impact on the conclusion that this report is talking about, where it's saying that 
marketing took a lot more responsibility. I think what happened there was the traditional sales channels dried up and then everyone was like, hey, marketing, what can we do? Um, and, uh, and marketing stepped in. It's like, okay, we're going to go digital. We're going to think about this. We're going to think about that. And, and a lot of power kind of came into the marketing, uh, marketing sphere. I think that is what ha- has happened here. Um, I have a couple of thoughts in terms of like how that would progress moving forward. But, um, in, in my, in, no, in, in my opinion, I think that is, that is the main reason that, uh, they talk about that shift has happened in the report. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are, Benny, on that. Well, interestingly, and I'm glad you, I'm glad you allowed me to, to uh, respond at this point, is because at the same time, though, during 2020 and 2023, especially in America, don't have any reports or data to back this up. But from what I understand, a lot of firms were hiring like mad specifically in sales. And so what I find to be paradoxical without delving too much is that if we're talking about, you know, this report when it was published, when it was reevaluated, and the fact that marketing became more and more responsible and traditional sales methods dried up, then why was the boom of all of the salespeople that got hired through this time, um, which later was seen as, well, probably a bit of an oversight because a lot of people got fired (laughs) or got made redundant. So I don't know. There's an interesting point there. But, but But I think that was also the case with marketing, right? I think that also happened with marketing where there was a massive amount of hire. More marketers were hired as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And and I remember we were hiring in that in that time and, and it was just marketers were gold B2B marketers were gold dust. Oh, so hard. Right? Yeah. So salespeople, you know, are plenty. Um I remember trying to find uh you know, people in marketing, in B2B marketing in that time and it was tough and hearing everything hearing that it was really tough to find them from other people. Over here. I don't know what the case was. In the states, it was the same thing. Same thing in both areas, right? Salaries mm-hmm. are extremely high. Um, it was very hard to find good, good, uh, good, good people. People were shifting jobs every six months. I mean, the mm-hmm. whole concept of the the Great Resignation and all that stuff came came about. But mm-hmm. I think overall there was a shift um, in uh, in that responsibility mix across the board. And a lot of people were talking about digital, right? Everything went, went digital. And that was the remit of, of marketing, right? Um, and also what I think what, what happened was sales does not have a very big budget, right? So sales was have budget for hiring, but does not have a lot of budget for other activities where marketing has. Mm-hmm. So what would happen is all of a sudden everything went, um, went dark. Everyone turned to digital and even sales turned to digital and said, okay, marketing budget can we spend in some of these technologies right so then marketing would own that tech um where sale would sales would use it mm. now i think i think going forward we're going to we're going to see a slight shift back to to sales because in terms of budget in terms of budget and ownership and ownership right i i think you know what has happened is 
in the past during during COVID, everything was easy, right? So you would just you you go out and market. Everyone was buying, uh, and therefore a lot of revenue was coming in. Hence the hiring and, and everyone going crazy. Then that dried up, and then everyone was like, "Oh, we need to we need to rethink you know marketing's responsibilities and what are they what are they tracking and how they're how they're um, uh, being compensated. Therefore, they need to be responsible for." Uh, pipeline and revenue in certain cases, um, which is a little bit, little bit crazy because marketing doesn't necessarily fully control in B two B, especially in kind of the higher ticket item, um, doesn't control revenue. But that has, that shift has happened, and I think the consequence of that is going to be like another year of that, and people are going to be like, "All right, that is not working. Marketing is not hitting its target. Sales is going to come in and start to have you, uh, what I think is going to happen is." Sales budget for technology is going to increase, and therefore some of these some of this tech is going to go back in the sales sales team, um, and they're going to own it, and that that balancing act is going to happen again. That's my thought of what's going to happen moving forward. So, so okay, so a couple of things in there. So, firstly, we are talking about B two B tech sales and marketing specifically here, are we? You got it. Yeah. Okay. It's our jam, right? Yeah, it's a, it's both of our jam, um, and that's and that's fine. So if we, if 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 we're there, it's worth noting that that's that's what we're that's what we're sort of analysing. Not sure if the report that we're referring to is talking specifically about B two B specifically and therefore tech specifically, but it's opened up a Pandora's box of lots of things to talk about. Um, Interesting you say that you see this shit. So firstly, sales budgets traditionally being lower than that of marketing. Um, Through this time of of the pandemic and the hangover of that, what you're saying is, is that marketing budgets continue to increase higher. It's what? It's going to come back down, but sales will still remain lower. Or you think that sales is going to take over more budget and therefore supersede how much marketing has to spend? Do you think? I I don't I don't know if, if it's going to supersede, but I, I think the the sales budget sales team budget is going to increase, and that that some of that increase is not going to go to people like it traditionally would, and it's going to go to technology, um, where traditionally marketing would spend all the money like. All the money that you would spend is uh, the marketing automation platform and, you know, your landing page builders and CRM. And a lot of that would go out of um, CRM is a little bit different, but, um, but you know, but a lot of the other stuff would go out of marketing budget. Mm-hmm. Um, sales would not have as much. And I think what's going to happen is sales is going to get a bigger budget. Now, I'm not saying it's bigger than marketing. Um, but it is relative to what it was before. I think that budget is going to increase, and therefore they're going to own some of that tech, allowing them to uh, to to be more digital, and therefore even uh, contribute more to um, to revenue. And therefore that percentage might come down. Okay. So then the next question I have is: so the report states that you know marketing became even more responsible for the customer and growth within an organization. That's not to say that the report is saying that marketing superseded the amount of responsibility over and above any other department. It's just that it's saying that it became more responsible, right? Am I right in saying that? That it's just, it became more responsible for more areas. Areas that 
otherwise would normally be across other areas of the business, customer success, sales, and what have you, right? And so what it is that I'm hearing from you is, is that is your prediction that that's going to come back down uh, and align with the fact that budgets are going to reduce from marketing and take a shift more into, into sales. Because there isn't going to be, there isn't necessarily going to be even more money and marketing is going to retain the amount of budget. Is marketing going to see less of a responsibility? Is that going to come away from them and, and even back out, do you think, in, in that same line of your prediction that you were saying? I think so. You think so? I think so. I think especially responsibilities around like very direct correlation to revenue responsibilities are going to be reduced and, and taken back from the marketing and moved back in the sales space. I think that's going to happen. Um, I, I think we've got, we're going through this cycle where, um, you know, there's a lot of revenue that came from marketing because of COVID and people were like, okay, marketing is going to be more responsible for revenue. Things drop down. They're like, okay, we're going to pressure marketing even more to be responsible for revenue. And then people are going to sober up and be like, marketing can't, it's very hard for marketing to bring a lot of revenue this quarter and be responsible for revenue. And that's going to shift back to, to the sales thing. So I'm specifically talking about revenue responsibilities. I think that's going to be reduced from, from marketing and, and uh, shift back to sales. So something, just as a bit of a sidebar, something that I'm seeing more and more of late, um, uh, a close connection of mine, Andy McFarlane from Inflection Group. He's joining um, a panel discussion that he and I have actually spoken about one-to-one with regards to should marketing or should the marketing department, marketeers, have a number that they need to hit in terms of acquisition, retention, similar to sales. Mm. My background, but my, my brain instantly goes to, well, I'm from an agency background, uh, creative agency background. Um, my role as, as an account handler and account person was that bridge between creative and strategy within the agency to the client. And effectively, it was a customer success manager role, right? But it was still more in sales rather than a marketing role. We were selling to marketers. We were selling ideas, strategy, right? Selling the reputation of the, of the agency. So it was a sales role, but there was no number above our head. It was just make sure that the numbers are going up in, you know, when you boil it down. There was no traditional sales number. But I suppose, where am I going with that? I sort of sit into, I, I, I feel like I sit in an anomaly in the sense that even though we, we were salespeople, we were still an agency that was selling the creative and the strategy for marketing. So you learn what, what marketers want because you're selling to them, but you also learn how to, what, what, what goes into the marketing realm. And never once have I heard of a marketer having a number above their head. But as a salesperson that, that, that is now a marketer, but having spoken to and sold to marketers for the last 18 years, I wonder, would, it, would, would a number above their head 
in order to perform, would, would that make sense? Well, so what are your thoughts on that? I have a couple of thoughts on that, but what, what, are you, what do you think about that? I think it does make sense, but I can see the argument as to why it shouldn't. Mm. Because unless you're doing digital marketing, which most people are doing now, and most people are only doing digital marketing, it's very difficult to, if you're doing traditional marketing, it's very, it's, it's, it's very difficult, if not impossible, to track the numbers as well as you could because there is no money in the bank, right? With sales, it's, I've sent this invoice, we've received an approval, that's X amount of licenses, that's, you know, all the metrics under the sun, you can track those things, right? And so it's very, it's much easier from, from a sales perspective to attribute your activity with bottom line. Marketing tech is getting closer and closer, and I think we are almost there in terms of being able to go, okay, marketing activity one, two, and three, we have been able to bring in this amount of conversations, therefore explore this amount of leads, therefore tick over this amount of qualified leads if that's the way that, it, that, that, the, that the process is working and hand off to sales for them to close. But if marketers are not responsible for the close, my argument would be that you shouldn't be putting a number on top of marketers' heads because the closing of the deal is a big job. And salespeople, yes, you know, you want the best qualified lead so that your life is as easy as possible. You only want to speak to people that have been nurtured, pre-qualified and ready to buy, which is what, 3% of people that are currently out there in market, currently looking for their for your solution, whether, you, whether they know it or not. Um, so marketer's job, ma- marketing's job is to find those, get those to a place, hand them off when you distill it down. But I go back to my previous point, unless marketing is responsible for closing the deal. That's a great point. That's a great point. And, and look, I mean, we've had Andy on the podcast as well, and he's, he's an awesome guy. Um, but I think it really depends. It depends on your business model. Um, you know, about, about maybe a couple of years ago, there was all the rave of the PLG model, the product-led growth model where, hey, uh, customers are going to come on our website, they're going to review this, we're going to have great, you know, automated demos and um, walkthroughs, and boom, they're going to turn into customers, right? And that flopped. Now, uh, nothing's nothing's that easy. Yeah, I mean, still the PLG model is going very strong. Um, Don't get me wrong. But what, what has become clear is, you can do that for certain businesses. If you're looking at SMB, if you, you know, if you are, let's give an example, an organization like Zoom. Zoom is able to do PLG model and have marketers responsible for conversion for SMB, right? Small and medium businesses. Because they would go through the process, they would they would look at what the tool is, yada yada yada, put their credit card in and make a purchase. Mm-hmm. But you can't do that. For a marketer for an enterprise deal because an enterprise deal someone who's going to purchase a hundred thousand two hundred thousand five hundred thousand a million dollar um uh going to put an order through just does not feel comfortable 
uh, does not feel comfortable going through that process on online. So you need a salesperson. Yeah, handing handing over handing over credit card details, debit card details um, for a single sign-on purchase. Yeah, it, it doesn't. So so yeah. So in the PLG model, right? That is usually it. It works for the SMB space, maybe a little bit in the mid market, right? It works for marketers or the individual or the so- individual, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. In that space, and again, also in in B two C, that works. Mm-hmm. But in the higher ticket items, you you're going to have that. So so I think organizations have to be careful just to put a blanket. It's like, hey, marketing is going to be responsible um, for, uh, for 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 this. And when they're doing responsibilities, right? One of the mistakes that a lot of organizations make is they would they they operate across multiple different. Um, uh, business areas, so it's like SMB, mid-market, enterprise, commercial, yada, yada, yada. They take the average of that and they say, all right, marketing is going to bring in, you know, 20%. Now, the challenge is when you do an average like that and you have the enterprise deals, which are massive deals into the mix as well, and we know that only marketing would be potentially able to bring in the SMB businesses who are substantially lower in size, they're going to have a really hard time hitting that revenue because they have to bring a lot of SMBs to Mm. hit that number. So again, I think it depends. It's possible to have numbers, but you have to have your your org chart very structured in terms of which marketers are going to be responsible for what and where do you allocate that number to. Mm. Yeah, no, crystallized really well. Yeah, I think good point to end that on. Uh, we're going to share the full report in our show notes. I want to move on now to the next part of the show, which is a reaction to a post uh, by Press Mark Ritson on uh, LinkedIn's AI tool. Anyone who doesn't know about this, uh, recently Mark Ritson lashed out at LinkedIn for adding a generative AI tool into LinkedIn to help craft posts calling it totally self-destructive, then continued on to say even the false perception that some of the content on LinkedIn is drone-derived would be damaging. But the fact that the company has designed such a tool and is openly promoting it is like a diet brand launching an all-you-can-eat burger bar. I know you've spoken to Mark about this, Vinny, and we've spoken a little bit about it internally, um, Shaheen. So, what are your thoughts on this? Is this damaging to LinkedIn? Is this really a fair assessment? This is Vinny's area. Oh, yeah, look, I, I <clears throat> so a couple of things here, right? So mysocial.ai is the tool that I have created. And the, the, the premise of the tool is to connect to your personal LinkedIn profile, only your personal LinkedIn profile, understand you and the audience that you want to attract or engage with via consistent, relevant, and authentic content creation. It surfaces you up content that is relevant to the interests of you and the audience that you want to engage with. It drafts the post for you and learns your tone of voice, but also the tone of the, but also what your desired audience is engaging with and then tells you the best time to schedule it for optimum visibility. So that's what my social does, just to be clear on the record, that's what I'm working with. And then being able to provide reports back to you as to what's working, whether you're an individual or as part of a team, okay? The reason we've done that is because there is appetite 
for individuals, professionals, no matter what level you're at, startup founder, you know, or even students fresh out of university, startup founder, all the way up to enterprise, you know, Fortune 500 companies, uh, C-suiteers, right? For, for, the, for the main reason to raise your profile and therefore your influence, therefore your perceived value um, in order to have a higher share of voice in market in front of an audience that is professional, uh, on a platform and in an environment that uh, people arrive with an intent-driven mindset. So it is a great platform to be raising your profile on. LinkedIn as a platform wants people creating content on their platform. Specifically, original content. Original content defined as not just sharing gump, yeah, yeah. not just sharing links to external sites and they have a bit of a you know a take on that where they would prefer you didn't take people away from linkedin.com yep yep so they cap the reach somewhat on any external links that you share but they reward you if you are creating original content but this brings us to the problem people don't know what to say when to say it how to say it or even why Yes, yeah, sure. Right? So there is a subset of individuals, professionals, that understand the importance of creating content on a consistent, authentic, and relevant basis, bearing in mind those three things are the magic source. People understand that it's important, but people don't have the time. People don't have the time because they don't know what to say, when to say it, how to say it, or why. So they don't make time. They don't prioritize it. What LinkedIn, bearing in mind, remembering that LinkedIn is owned by Microsoft, Microsoft has a 49% stake share in OpenAI, and what LinkedIn are doing is taking their existing platform and not only are they trying to do something helpful, in my opinion, they're also testing. Like every business that was designed and created and launched pre-ChatGPT Chat GPT and the AI era, they are testing. Yeah, I don't have access to it, but I know Shaheen does. Do I think they've got it right? Absolutely not. I don't think they've got it right because I don't think that by adding an AI assistant into the writing of a post or into the other areas that they are implementing um, the AI assistant, I don't think that they're getting to the heart of the problem. So that's my stance on AI, on, on LinkedIn's attempt into injecting an AI assistant into their platform. What's interesting about Mark's response is two things. And I want to be careful here because I won't sit here and profess that me and Mark are best mates. We're not. I've met Mark once. I told him about my social.ai in the way that I've just explained it here. Yep. And his response was positive. So I'll start off by saying I'm actually surprised at Mark's Lash out, uh, outlash about LinkedIn's integration of AI. I see his point. Yeah, I, I see it, but I don't know if it's fair either. And I would temper that with when I was with Mark, we were having beers and we were in a one-to-one -one conversation 
talking specifically about it. Maybe he was being nice. Maybe he didn't want to shoot me down right right there and then. <laughs> yeah, sure. He was sitting right next to you, mate. That would have been an awkward uh, evening for the rest of the evening. If I was sat in front of Mark and I sh- and I shared what I what what my social AI is doing, and I got the response that he gave in the in this post that we're talking about, I wouldn't have gotten. I I it, it, I, I would have likely have gotten a slap in the face, right? In in the in in the same sense, so. I suppose what I'm saying is I'm I'm surprised by his response. It wasn't the same response I got. Maybe the setting and environment was different. Maybe he was being nice. Maybe I didn't communicate what we were doing clearly enough. But what I did do was I communicated to Mark the bigger picture as to what we're trying to achieve. Yes, one of the main objections that we get all the time is, well, if you're using AI to learn my tone of voice and draft posts for me, which bearing in mind is only one component as to what we do, how is that meeting the authenticity point? Which I think if you look at what Mark is saying is what he is attacking. Yeah, He's attacking the, if you just throw an AI robot into a platform that already fosters majoritively, I think what he's saying, majoritively is not great content that's currently being produced anyway, aren't you just adding fuel to the fire? My response aligns with his, yes you are. If all you're doing is just throwing an AI assistant into an environment without coaching and advising how people can make their content better. What LinkedIn aren't doing to my previous point is that they are not thinking about the bigger problem, which is people don't know what to say, when to say it, how to say it and why. They are only meeting the what to say. Yep, awesome. That's point one, by by just, placing it in, but I get it. They're testing it and and they've got many different areas that they need to, you know, look at. So, you know, hats off to them. The second point is that they're not addressing the bigger picture. They're not addressing the coaching. They are not showing people what best practice looks like. And you can see this in all of the communities of people that are LinkedIn fans that spend no other time other than on LinkedIn, creating content, trying to understand how the algorithm is set up, works, so that they can get their message across and get that elevated share of voice in market. To be seen as a subject matter expert or the term that I hate the most, thought leader. Yes, yeah. Right? (laughs) It's meaningless now, Ryan. Right. It, it's 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 a wincing term because it's been played out and it's becoming Instagram's version of the influencer. Right. Focus on being a subject matter expert. Focus on doubling down on your craft, having a point of view and learning, being afraid to fail and learn and 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 document your thoughts and be prepared to have debates and conversations around your thoughts. 
then when you start to lead with your thoughts, that's when you become a thought leader. But you can't do that until you become a subject matter expert. Anyway, I'm coming off topic. Mark's post, I agree with him. I am surprised, but I agree with him. And I agree with him because LinkedIn aren't addressing the heart of the issue, which is showing people how to actually create better content on their platform. Awesome. Love it. Now let's wrap up today's episode. Uh, I want to, from each of us, one piece of content or a YouTube channel or something you're really enjoying right now. Do you want to start off, Shaheen? I am, uh, I am right now going through the book called Zag. It's a bit of a classic. Um, uh, and uh, it's, it's all about zagging when others are uh, singing a different song. That's, uh, that's on my plate right now. That's what I'm going through. Awesome. About you, Vinny? Um, I really like the episodes from X Growth. All right, that's all. They're a they're, <laughs> they're, they're a fun bunch. Um, no, seriously, the thing that I read the most are are, are articles uh, and reports in the space of you know marketing, B two B marketing in tech. That's so right. good. That's so good. Well, I've I've been uh, reading Discipline Is Destiny by Ryan Holiday. Um, which is uh, really good. Been loving it so far, part of his Stoic Virtues series. And yeah, well, I think that's all the time we've got for, for today's episode. Uh, so thanks so much for everyone to tune in, for tuning in. And thanks so much for Vinny and Shaheen for awesome conversation. As Seth Godin wrote, how many people would reach out to you and wonder or complain if you didn't send out that next email blast? That's a metric worth measuring and increasing. Something for everyone to consider this week. I know I have emailed people who have stopped their newsletters and got really great responses from them. So tune in to the next episode. Look forward to uh, seeing you there and peace. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, guys. Today's episode of Growth Colony was produced by Alexander Hipwell and Liza Maywald. It was edited by Dave Semedo with additional editing by Liza Maywell and music arrangement by Alexander and Liza. Special thanks to Tina Wabe. We couldn't make the show without you. Growth Colony is hosted by Shaheen Hoda, Director of Growth at Extra. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe and give us a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Do you think you'd be a great guest or just keen for a chat? Send through an email at podcast at xgrowth.com.au. That's podcast at xgrowth.com.au. That's all for now. We'll catch you next week right here on Growth Colony.